0: Welcome to the You Get Today podcast, where we highlight ordinary people who faced extraordinary challenges in life and found a way to overcome. We hope their stories will encourage you, that you are not alone in whatever pain you're facing, and that today is yours to make amazing. I'm your host, Rachel, and today's guest is a childhood friend, Erica Stalwart. Erica and I both attended middle and high school together. She has an amazing story of dealing with some of life's toughest challenges, and I know you will love hearing her share on today's episode so let's get ready for the brag sheet and sometimes Erica I have to ask questions because <laughs> I'm so like impressed that I need more clarification <laughs> so if I ask you a question so Erica is proud mom to Takara yes she is currently the juvenile magistrate of the Laporte Circuit Court in Laporte County and is the first African-American judicial officer in the 190 year history that's crazy.
1: It
0: is. <laughs> and that just happened. I think you just became that in like April. recently. So you are the first and only.
1: Yeah. April of earlier this year, April 21st, 2023. I was, oh my God. That
0: see what's crazy is I don't even think about it until I hear like that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 190 years. Yeah. Crazy. She is an aunt to over 15 kiddos. Uh, Erica appreciates that she has several lifelong friendships, elementary through present, and is going on year 24 with the same college friends having annual girls trips. So 10 or 12 of you travel together every
1: May. Yeah, every Memorial Day weekend, we rotate where we go, international, domestic, but we all, it's on our calendar. So anyone that we date or marry, they know that Memorial Day weekend is already taken, so don't even try it. Oh my yeah, even if there's like a pregnancy or a graduation, you know, we work around it, but um, you just can't come that year.
0: <laughs> oh my, that's a great thing though. So now tell me some of the places you guys have been. Oh
1: gosh, we've been to Destin. We've been to, um, well, we started off going to everyone's hometown. So we all met in college in Atlanta, Georgia. So we ended up, we came from all over. So we've been to Chicago. We've been to Delaware. We've been to Houston. We've been to Enterprise, Mississippi. We've been to Atlanta, of course, and then we've been to Orlando, Puerto Rico, Cabo, oh Montego Bay. Um, we've been to San Diego. San now, Francisco. do you just get?
0: Do you just take turns deciding, so like who's going to pick?
1: Oh. It's a process. So we have it's a well. organized oh, process. Yeah, we make nominations, and then we <laughs> do majority rule vote, and so we vote for our places two years in advance, so we know where we're going to be going.
0: That is awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right, she is a 25-year silver star financial member of her sorority. I hate the word the the sound of 25 years because that means that's how long we've been.
1: <laughs> yeah, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Incorporated <laughs> the first African American, historically Black African American sorority. Um, so it was founded in 1908. Um, you know, back then you know, Black people weren't permitted to join. Sure. Or he's a fraternity. So, you know, we develop our own institutions and organizations. And so Alpha Kappa Alpha is the first one that was for African-American women. So I'm a member of that organization. Oh,
0: cool. Uh, well, and speaking of Spelman, you attended Spelman. And I had to look this up because you put HBCU on the Brad sheet, And that is, it stands for, it's a historically Black college or university. That's correct. Now, is Spelman... So what is the dynamic there, like, was it started as an African American college? Yeah. Or was so it first? Okay. In
1: 1881, um, a group of white, wealthy white women got together and founded um, Spelman College in the basement of Friendship Baptist Church in Georgia, Atlanta, um, you know, at that time, Freed Black persons were not permitted to attend colleges with white people. So again, just like with fraternities and sororities, we develop our own institutions. That's why it's called historically Black. So okay. historically, it was developed for Black people, but we're open to all races, ethnicities. Um, but historically speaking, that's why it was developed and it catered to us, you know, Black people. And so Spelman College is actually the number one historically Black college and university in the nation. It's a liberal arts college for women. Um, so okay. All women. Um. Right across the street is Morehouse College, and it's for all men. But we take classes together at each institution, and we also have Clark Atlanta University, which is right across the street as well. So we can cross register and um and take classes at um the different institutions there.
0: Yeah. And is it um is it still like majority of the people that attend are African American? Oh yeah. Or okay. Okay. How cool. Well, let's start there. Um, With just doing like a flyover of where you were raised, because we grew up in La Porte, um, predominantly white, especially back then. And I would love to hear your perspective on how going from there. And I remember in high school, I never thought anything of it. But I remember hearing you were going to Spelman and being like, that's cool. And I'm curious what kind of like when you got there, was it a complete like, whoa? Was that the first time you went? oh my gosh, or did you grow up somewhere else that I don't know of? And so that wasn't that different. It was very different. So
1: I don't know if you recall, you, and you probably never noticed, but in our graduating class of 425, only nine of us were Black. Oh my um, gosh, so I my, didn't. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't, um, you know, because it doesn't stand out to you. It stands out to me, especially because, um, you know, I was in some of the, the more advanced classes and I would be the yep. the only Black That I remember. Class. And, yeah. you know, um, I gave a keynote a couple of months ago to the Urban League and one of the stories I told was about how w- our well-meaning teachers during, you know, the conversation, the, the, the lesson on slavery and the civil rights era <laughs> would show the movie glory and, you know, would poignantly say, you know, if anyone feels uncomfortable, you can be excused, you know, and they were talking about me, you know, right, right, child in the class and it, it's a very uncomfortable subject. Um, Especially when it's done in a way that um, I don't know, the right way to say it, but just it, when it's not done in a way that is just, um, I don't want to say authentic, but right. It's just an right. uncomfortable experience as a black child yeah. and you're the only black child in the room and they're talking about slavery and everyone's looking at you. So yeah. those type of situations kind of um, made it so that I really wanted to experience something different where I was not the only, and so, um, I learned about Spelman college. I don't know if you remember Mrs. Burns, um, English. Oh she, yeah. She, you know, I had been watching a different world, which is a, a show um, about yeah. black college life. And I just loved that show. And I, I had an interest in Spelman and I, I think I must've expressed it at, at some point, but Mrs. Burns found an article on it in a newspaper and she clipped it out and put it on my desk one day. And to me, like those, those type of experience definitely outweighed any negative experiences I had at LaForte High School, because I, yeah. I was well prepared when I went to Spelman academically. Um, socially, I had to grow a little bit because it was the first time I had ever been around people who were like-minded. Um, of course, everyone was not the same, but just seeing people that looked like me who were interested in the college education, but, you know, even black people, they came from all different backgrounds at, um economic statuses and things like that, but it was just so nice to be surrounded by people where I was not the only, and I didn't stand out because of my difference. I was actually included, and in it. it just felt like home, like a family, Um, and also academically speaking, you know, I learned things that I never learned about historically in our regular um, lessons here in Indiana. You know, I learned about other people other than Martin Luther King and Rosa yeah. Parks. You know, I learned about people that um, may not be in the history books. And so it was just a really great experience. It was very eye-opening for me. Um, yeah. Professors look like me. You know, growing up, I had one black teacher and that was our gym teacher who taught me how to swim and she was excellent. And I am grateful for her to this day, but she's the only teacher of color I ever had. Other than, oh, yeah. you know, in Spanish, I think I had um, a Latino teacher. But um, okay. as far as a black teacher, no. So when I went to spell in the professors, you know, doctors, you know, in their fields were um, the ones that were teaching me. And that was a great experience as well. So
0: sure, sure. And see another situation that I don't think about, like on the one hand, I think I knew looking back now that there weren't, I wouldn't have said nine, but I would have said, oh, less than 20 in our graduating class. But I don't think about like no teachers Yeah, Like I don't, it doesn't even occur to me. And it's crazy how I I can imagine being in a whole, like the total reverse Mm -hmm. that had to be, how neat. So like hear stories where you're like, why is this not in anything I learned? And like you said, advanced classes, like that's, that's crazy, you know? So now what did you graduate from Spelman with?
1: So I have um, psychology, a bachelor's of art in psychology and a minor in Spanish. Okay. I
0: got mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you graduated, I did not even realize until you sent me the brag sheet that you were still in the fort. Had no idea. We're Facebook friends. I don't know where I've been. But
1: what
0: uh what did you end up doing like after college once sure. you graduated?
1: Come right back here? So I actually came for the summer. Um I was um, accepted into the University of Michigan's MSW Master of Social Work Program, which is the number one social work program. And Woo! So um, after graduating from Spelman, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Ann Arbor. It was an advanced track program. So it was only 16 months. But my plan originally was to just be, you know, an office social worker doing counseling and therapy for families and young people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I needed a job prior to going, like I needed a summer job. So my cousin was actually working at LaPorte County Juvenile Services Center. And she said they're hiring part-timers. So I got a job at the detention and emergency shelter care facility and I just totally fell in love with the children there. And so during that summer of working there, I decided that at some point I'm gonna to go to law school because while I love these young people, I'm not liking the policies and procedures and what I'm seeing systematically with these young people, You know, if you could afford an attorney, you had a very different outcome than someone who could not, if you're black or brown, you had a different outcome than those that were white. And so I felt like, you know, we needed someone in a position that could help advocate for some of these families and young people. So I went ahead and went to Ann Arbor for my master's program, and then I came back to the facility as a full-timer before graduating, I had a job and placed there as a caseworker. And I actually spent 22 and a half years at the Juvenile Services Center before I retired in April of this year. Um, so after I received my master's degree, I ended up going to law school part-time four years in the evening to Loyola in downtown Chicago, where I received my law degree, my Juris Doctorate degree, with a certificate in child and family law. And so at the center, I was um, pretty quickly promoted from caseworker to counselor, then counselor to assistant director and then to executive director. And I was the executive director for 10 plus years. I can't really remember. But yeah. I also had a part time legal practice where I did adoptions, um, family law matters, um, wills, oh, landlord, tenant issues, things like that. So sure.
0: Sure. Now I'm going to ask, and I don't, I, I, I haven't asked you this question ahead of time, but I already know there's an answer. What are you most proud of that you changed in those ten years of being an executive director?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, um, cut you off there. The culture, for sure. So when yeah. I started, it was like so punitive. And I don't know if you can hear that train in the background, sorry. Oh, it's fine. It was so
0: cool. Um, We've had dog barks, we've had cars, it's all good.
1: (laughs) It was not really as child focused and strength based as I think it should have been. So, you know, just kind of starting at the bottom and working my way up, I was able to implement changes by just expressing my opinion, my background. Like for instance, here's the one. Um, When I first started working there, Culturally speaking, um, when you look at rule books and things, there's like rules that are applied to everyone. You know, they don't really take into effect like different backgrounds, which is okay, but it's not always okay. So, for instance, one of the things that you're always given at a detention and emergency shelter care facility without level or privilege is um, shampoo and conditioner. And so, in the rules, hair grease, which is like an oil that is necessary for black hair, was something sure. that you had to earn. Like it was a privilege. Ah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh no. Like, Oh no. It's <laughs> like shampoo and conditioner for a black sure. girl. They need to start. So that was one of the things I was able to change. So there were like little cultural things that I was oh, able yeah. to, you know, slowly implement and just kind of educate others about that and to the point where at the time, like the leaders would come to me and ask me, well, what do you think about this? Is this okay? Is this something yeah. that needs to be yeah. necessary? Or is this a privilege? You know, and so that was great. But, um, Just overall changing the for all kids, kids, changing the culture so that people knew that this facility is about services and how we can service young people and their families. It's not about primarily just being a detention center and punitive. Like we're holding these children accountable, but hopefully they'll walk away with some life skills and knowing that this is a safe place. Actually, this is a place that even though it's not the best place for them to be while they're here, they're going to be treated with respect. They're gonna know that they're safe and that they can talk to the adults here in a trusting way. Um, And so I did, when I became the director, the first couple of years, a lot of people left. They were terminated or left on their own because I had to get a team together that followed that vision that these are young people. They're not many criminals, you know? And so we treat them with respect and we need to model for them how they should be living in society and so you know there was no cursing I did not allow cursing at the young people you know definitely no physical unless it's like a threat to themselves or others sure, people sure. are properly trained on how to handle those and de-escalate those situations but you know when I started you know the some of the staff they were just not nice to these young people yeah. just treated them very well
0: and there's two things Erica they're like exactly what you said you treat people like mini criminals and that's what they see. Is and gonna like that's what they that's their future, right? And also the idea of you know I'm so thankful that you're so gracious <laughs> with like ignorance because it's like people notice that and and I remember that from high school. You were always super well spoken. You never were like, oh my gosh, how do you guys not know this? Yeah, it was very much a you gave grace and benefit of the doubt that it was like they just don't know, like they don't know that grease hair grease is shampoo to us. Yeah. But we that's dignity, right from the beginning, right? Like that's, they're going to walk in and go, Oh, they get it. Yeah. And that starts that whole thing. Like you're talking about, I think that's amazing that you were willing to fire and move people yeah. out to get a team on the same page because that takes a lot of guts.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it does, but it's not, I always say anytime I encounter adversity, I won't say anytime, but most times um i just have to remember that it's not about me like mm-hmm. what i do every day now it's not about me what i've done before is not about me it's about other people and i'm a servant so i serve the people that are entrusted into my care and yeah. i have to take myself out of the equation and just try to do my best every day to help others and not harm them
0: right yeah that's huge that's huge to not personalize it because that's really hard i think so now, um, tell me in the scheme of where you were at when Tikara came in the picture. Oh gosh! So
1: 2019, she was born, into, so she's four and a half. Oh. Yeah, she's a fun at a fun age. So you know, I was 41 when I actually had her. Yeah. So I've always wanted to be a mother um, <laughs> over anything else in this world. I've always just wanted to be a mom. And it just, you know, I was more focused on it. I had some health concerns as I've gotten older. And just yeah. after some conversations with, you know, medical provider, I made a conscious decision that that's what I wanted. And so she is here. Um, she, I was high risk um, because of my age um, okay. and some of the medical issues that I had. And when she arrived, um, we had a little bit of a surprise but her. It was a huge surprise. She was born without her left arm, um, her left hand and lower arm. So that was a surprise, especially because I had been high risk and had hundreds of ultrasound images taken at a specialist and it was never detected. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So they later on my chest, you know. And as they were lifting her up to get seen by the doctor, because we had to use a vacuum to get her out, because she was so tiny, because they, they took her early, because, again, high risk, so they wanted to take her early. Yeah. Um, but, she, you know, she was delivered, no problem. Um, but they had to use the vacuum suction to help to get her out. And so they were taking her off of my chest so that a doctor could look at her. And I noticed that her hand was missing, And I just gasped. And I was just like, where's my baby's arm? And yeah. everyone in the room was like... Dead silent. My doctor, who delivered her, was just like, "What?" You know, because she was shocked. because She had referred me to the maternal specialist, so she wasn't the one that did my ultrasounds. Um, so anyway, it was just a very, um, at the time, it was just. I, I don't. I don't like to use this word because I don't like to use it lightly. But I don't think it was lightly traumatic. It was a traumatic experience because I sure. wasn't anticipating that. And in your mind, you just wonder, like, you know, is your child going to be you? you know, bullied and just is she gonna be able to function? How she's gonna how is she gonna learn to do certain things that we just take right. for granted as someone that has two hands? And so right. all those thoughts and emotions of course being hormonal after just giving birth right. it was very challenging for me. But yeah. I didn't last very long because I very quickly got it together. Because I was yeah. just like my baby is here. She's what I pray yeah. for. And um she's pretty amazing. She yeah. she does things with her one one hand and her nubby is what we call her left arm that people, some people with two hands can't do. She's just amazing. Um, She does have a prosthetic, but she doesn't really care for it too much. It's helped her when she was learning how to walk with balancing and with her sure. But other than that, she, you know, she can dress herself for the most part. Um, She needs a little bit of assistance because she's still only four. Um, We haven't gotten to tying up the shoes yet. So that's something that we'll have to work on. I'll have to learn how to do that so that I can show her how to do that with one hand um but you know when she was born people she's just like a magnet people just kind of like she there's something about her spirit she's here for a reason and I feel like she's just going to do some great things and be an example to others just how adversity and I haven't even gotten to the other part when she was two she was diagnosed Yeah, I think I with, saw this on Facebook yeah she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes So this little girl is a a trooper, like, so I just know God has placed her here for a reason. And so um, I'm just teaching her how to use her voice, which I really haven't had to teach her much because she does that her own. Ooh, so, but um, yeah, just, she's, she's everything. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, I follow you on Facebook and I know, like, I, I'm sure to you, it seems like second nature, but there is no doubt in my mind, like, you're the mom for her but what are some things you would tell other parents like how did you balance because I think personally especially if it's a physical thing Mm -hmm. it would be very hard especially like she's only four and a half so like kudos to you that she's doing all that on her own because I would think for me especially with my first I would be like is this something I would do anyway should she do this on her own like how did you balance kind of having her do it on her own? but not get frustrated
1: if she couldn't um, because this little girl will say, mommy, I can do it on my own. Let oh, So when I tried to help her, she was very <laughs> quick to say, no, let me do it. I can do it on my own. And so I have to step back and just until she asks for help. Yeah. I let her do it on her own or I show her, I say, well, if she struggles a little bit, I said, what's well, the car? Can I, mommy show you? Can I show you how I do it? And, or maybe an easier way to do that. And then, you know but she's very independent she is super independent she just likes to do things and learn things on her own but you know as a mom oh I try not to be a helicopter mom I don't really like that phrase either but um yeah I am very overprotective of her but then I think I have a really good balance of just kind of because I just know she's equipped and she can do certain things so I just have to like keep that in mind and just let her figure it out as well And she does she yeah things out on her own
0: has she ever said anything like, obviously at her age, has she like noticed and
1: asked you oh, questions? Gosh, yes. Okay. Oh. And how,
0: how have you dealt with that? Like what, no, cause
1: I know you've kind done it. Challenging in the beginning. Yeah, you know, she's in school. She's been in since she was two. Um, and so every year she has a new classmate, you know, they're, they're asking questions. Little kids are so curious. So yeah. what there's like, Oh, so when she was born, Um, books were sent to us I was connected with other resources other parents of children who had limb differences and Mm so we did a lot of reading of books right Um, and then now in the media and the commercial world you're seeing more people with limb differences represented and so she will notice there's a little lego character that she's noticed in a catalog mommy look she has a limb difference and so just exposing her so that she doesn't feel like she's the only person that has that so it's been great I connected with a organization in Ohio um, four and five prosthetics, and there were people there with limb differences, just like her. So at age two, she was able to see young people with limb differences as well um, in person and meet them and even teenagers. And so one of the teenagers, her name is Callie. She showed me how she ties her shoe. So she showed that to me. So I could, and I videotaped that, but just to get back to your question, um, she would ask me, well, mommy, Why, where's my other arm? Um, And then to the point where she started saying, I want two arms like you, I want two hands like you. And so Mm -hmm. I just, you know, we're Christian and I just, you know, let her know that, you know, you are so special. I said, you know, God made you this way, you know, and you are able to do things that some people can't even do with two hands. I said, you are amazing. And I just Mm -hmm. let her know that. And so young kids are so curious. Most of them are polite. um, Yeah touch her a lot which i don't like that right. uh, if i'm there i'll say oh please don't touch her you know yeah. Especially post you know covid well i, I don't think we're post because people are getting it, stuff but um you know with all the the germs around um yeah. and so i've given her the language she, she can use and it's up to her if she wants to use it so she, sometimes she ignores and then sometimes she'll say oh, i was born this way god made me this way and so yeah. i told her when she gets older I said, you know what? We can kid people. We can just tell them that a shark bit it off. And she's (laughs) like, "What, mommy?" So, so yeah. But she, she. It just depends, I think, on how people approach her with it. So.
0: And what do you? What do you say to like? Let's say I'm my kids in the class, and I'm a mom, and we end up or a dad, and we end up talking. You and I or the teacher. Mm -hmm. What. People in those circumstances, what should they be doing to, like I said, it's like you don't, you're not trying to draw attention, but you also like be sensitive to what's going on there. Sure. Is it the same? Would you say the same as like you are as a mom, where you wait and if she asks for help, or
1: like, wh- how would you? Well, tell I, well, Let's see. I provided a list of books to the teacher beforehand. She's going to be entering kindergarten next year. So I'll probably be going ahead and um, providing a list of books that can be shared with the the, the class to be read. But usually I just kind of wait when it's just like another parent or something. And if they have a question, like some of them are very open. they will say, you know, what should I, what should I be saying to my child? And I said, well, this is what I tell Takara that she was born this way and she's perfectly fine. It doesn't hurt. She's okay. they I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of times parents are very nervous because they don't know what to say or how to react. Because if their kid were at the playground and their kid points or says something, because I can just see it. Cause I just, you know, I have that social awareness where I can tell. Like mm-hmm. she had a dance or a piano recital, she plays the piano by the way. So she had a oh my. piano recital this past weekend and she had a little girl. And so she was playing with a little girl during intermission. And I'm sitting at a table, and I just kind of look, and I could tell. I was telling my friend that was there. I say like, the little girl's asking her about her arm. I said she's like, "Oh, you can tell." I said, "Oh yeah, I could definitely see that she's asking her." And then she's looking at her mom. The girl's looking at her mom, like to tell her mom. Um, yeah. I just kind of watch and observe to see if I need to intervene. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. I don't know if that answered your question. I, I no, it did. I it did. It did.
0: Okay. No, I I think that has been just so super helpful in both. The idea of because I still live not far from LaPorte, North Liberty, yeah. very white community. And then on like we're talking also about if you if you're around children who have limb differences, have whatever, yeah. the whole plethora. I think it's just so interesting to talk to somebody who's so open to being like, it's okay that you're ignorant. Like yeah. be respectful, ask questions. And like you said, I think the cultural finally of introducing some of that Mm -hmm. and literacy that's brilliant Like that, you would go ahead and offer that to the teacher I was a teacher for a long time and I think how helpful because that is where you first get your exposure right of what's normal is books and it's like what a great idea for you to be able to open all the kids up to that and questions and conversation
1: yeah
0: yeah because there there was
1: one experience and I have to I don't want to too many details because uh to protect the the parent because right their business owner um but there was a situation where a young child um was very rude to Takara, and i witnessed it and i i saw red very quickly but the mama was on point she was like what just happened and so she was so just heartbroken that her child would say such a rude thing to my child and so she, I could tell she was just really upset about it. And so I ended up creating that list of books and I sent those to her. So she ended up buying the books right away and sharing them with um, her child's class as well. But yeah, yeah um, that was that was a, a good experience, I think, because of the way that the mother reacted to the experience as well. Like yeah. she was just like aghast that her child would say something like that. And he was, and he was a young boy as well, so. Sure, Sure. And
0: didn't I see on Facebook, didn't she get a Barbie that was kind of designed?
1: No. Oh, oh, the Takara. Yes. She had a, yes. she had, oh, Takara, it's not a Barbie. So a friend of mine actually, and she was someone I had, actually had never really met in person, but she reached oh out God. to me and she said, Hey, I have something for Takara that I wanted to give her. And this happens all the time. People oh, cool. are always... Just thinking about my child like that's why I said she just has a gift about her where she just touches people just her spirit you know but she, yeah. um, she had a doll made that looks like Takara when she was in her dance recital um, and the, the doll has a limb difference and also has a pod on her arm because Takara uses a pod and a Dexcom for her type 1 diabetes Okay, so, so it was really really thoughtful
0: yeah that's so cool I remember yeah. seeing that on Facebook yeah. and I thought how neat like that's just yeah. But yeah, I can tell even from her, I've, I've never met her in person, but from her pictures and the things you post, I'm like, oh, that's a heartbreaker right
1: there. She seems so sweet. That's so she, cool. I don't know if sweet's the word we want <laughs> <laughs> She's well, a hey, joy.
0: I she's, I full to joy. she's full yeah. of
1: joy. She's full of joy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it's contagious. Like people it are drawn contagious. to her. How cool. Yeah. Because that's an encounter. I her her, though,
1: because she's, she's very friendly. Um, oh yeah. She's very, right. She, and she is sweet and so I I do have to watch her we just came from vacation and she just wanted to introduce herself hi I'm Takara and I'm like you do not know this person get back over here come here
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny well hey I so appreciate your time because after I read your brag sheet I was like wow she's that's awesome that she's giving us so much time (laughs) but I want to end with my three questions I sent them to you in email but I, I love it when people they're like, oh, I forgot to read those because then it's super authentic and it's even better. Sure. So what is the one thing you want people closest to say they remembered most about you? They, oh gosh,
1: yeah, I'm glad you, shoot. (laughs) Um, It looks like we have four minutes left. So let me try to do this. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) Like if I were to die. Yeah, yeah. I want people to know that I, cared about other people and I was a good person who always always wanted to do my best to help other people even to my detriment at times but yeah. um like especially in this new position I can't make everyone happy all the time you know someone's not going to be a happy party when I make my decisions but I'm always putting the interests of children first um yeah. and yeah I just want people to know that I do my best to help other people
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important, Erica, that you have so drilled down to that in this position, everything's coming back to that one vision. Because, I mean, I can't imagine the number of decisions you make in a day and how clarifying to have that. Like, this is the one thing we're going to keep asking. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. I'm only going to ask this other one because I'm really interested on your answer and I want you to be able to talk as long as you want. Uh, What one piece of advice would you give someone who's in a really hard stretch of life right now? like when you're in your darkest moment what would you say
1: trouble does not last forever that if you just hold on things will get better they will get better you just have a little bit of faith you don't need very much just a little bit of faith and hope that things will get better but also seek therapy um yeah um, people if you're not open to therapy find someone that you trust that you can talk to about you don't have to do it alone there are people who have been through what you've been through that can, and, you know, when people don't talk about their struggles, you don't know, right? But when people are like, I'm very open with some of my struggles and we can have a whole another pod session about grief and loss. I lost my brother unexpectedly at the age of 43 in 2015. And, um, you know, by me being open with my struggles with that, I've been able to help other people, right? Sure. Um, sure. so I guess if you're just hold on, don't give up, do not give up, um, yeah. find a resource, someone that you can talk to about your struggles, find something that can find, that can give you some joy, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially this time of year, it's depression is very, random, yeah. you know, seasonal affective disorder, you know, yeah. find some, find a little bit of joy in every day and find something that you can be grateful for in every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, ma'am. It was so good to actually catch up and not just creep you on Facebook.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. I appreciate the <laughs> invitation.
0: Yeah, and I we will definitely have you on again. I didn't even know about all the grief. We have, I lost my Oh favorite. yeah, I can, so
1: we'll, I'm open yeah. to it. I'm good at, you know, I, I'm, I'm at a good place where I can probably talk about it. Yeah, so, good. Yeah. We'll
0: have you on again. Thank you so all much. Right, you're
1: welcome. Thanks for having me. Have a great holiday. You yeah. too. All right, bye-bye.